Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church of Christ is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we are convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Colin Packer. Well, if there's anything I've learned over the past few months, it's that I'm not very good at waiting. Not very good at being out of control, waiting on the best timing. We like for life to occur on our terms, don't we? We like for life to go as we expect for it to go. We want things to go back to normal. And yet, and yet, there's been something about this season of waiting that has helped me see how out of control my life had become before all this. I've learned the beauty of an evening walk in the neighborhood. I've learned the simplicity of evenings without baseball and softball and piano practice. I've learned the simple joy of being in the moment without a calendar full of events. I can't wait to get back to normal. And yet, I don't want that normal to look like what normal was. Today, uh, we're going to look at one of the biggest disruptions for the people of God that they ever experienced. The exile. And we're going to hear from the prophets who spoke in the midst of the exile that Israel experienced. These prophets were crazy. They would say anything. They would do even crazier. Prophets had the ability to name reality for what it is, to be truth tellers. But the prophets also had this ability to dream of a new world. And that's what's needed right now, is to reimagine what life will look like on the other side of all this. So maybe this morning you need some hope like I do. Maybe you need a picture of the way the world can be again in the days ahead. I don't know about you, that's what I needed this week. And so if I'm preaching to no one else, I think I needed this message this morning. Let's pray together as we open God's word together. Father, would you paint a picture of life as you have always intended it that maybe are lessons we need to learn in this season? May we not walk through this season learning absolutely nothing. But may we learn what it's like to walk more in step with you, to walk realizing that we are not in the control we thought we were, to realize that our schedules don't need to be as hectic and crazy as they've been. But may we be reminded in this season of how important our connections are, the relationships that we've taken for granted. Maybe those relationships that had been fractured that maybe the season has reminded us we need restoration in. And God, perhaps most of all, it's not just the horizontal relationships that we need on earth, but it's a restoration of relationship with you that we've been reminded we need in this time. So God, I pray that you would come close as you've always done to your people in the midst of disruptions. And that you would allow me and through the words of the prophets this morning to paint pictures of a better world and to fill each one of us with hope in the midst of a time that seems often without it. 
So I pray this morning you would pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. And it's the name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. I still remember exactly where I was on September 11, 2001. And if you're 25 years or older, my guess is you remember exactly where you were when you heard the news as well. It's one of those moments you can never forget. It's one thing to tell the story of 9-11 after the fact, thinking back on that day. But on that morning, we didn't know what was happening. First, an airplane crashes into the North Tower, the World Trade Center in New York City. Then an airplane crashes into the South Tower. And then the Pentagon. And then Flight 93 crashes into a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. In real time, though, We didn't know what was happening, who was attacking, how many more there might be. And I bring up the memory of that event in our nation's collective memory this morning because it's the closest thing I I can recall in my lifetime that comes anywhere near to comparing the experience of Israel and the loss of Jerusalem. The date Israel remembered wasn't 9-11. The date they remembered was 586. BC. They had experienced disruptions before. We've mentioned them before in this series. The the flood, the exodus, the wilderness journey before they enter into the promised land. But all of those events pale in comparison to 586. In 586, Israel received the punishment that was due for all of her sins during the period of the kings that we spoke about last week. They had served other gods. They had been led away from their devoted worship to Yahweh alone. And the people had assumed that because they were in Jerusalem, David's city, that they were safe. That there was nothing that they could do that could put at risk the position that they were in within these walls of Jerusalem. It was the city of David. It was the place where God's temple and presence dwelled. Who could ascend and destroy Mount Zion? And in 586, any presumed invincibility the Israelites felt was removed. The Babylonians tore down the walls of Jerusalem. They destroyed Solomon's temple. And they razed the city of Jerusalem to the ground. Imagine that, right? Having the one place where you knew God dwelled, where the temple had been, where you'd given your sacrifices, where... All of those special festivals were a reminder of God's presence that was there in the city of Jerusalem. Imagine if that was a place and then it was all torn down in an instant because of foreign invaders. King Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, took many of these Israelites into captivity in Babylon. The people were completely devastated. And the prophets had foretold that this destruction was going to come. They had paid attention to the warnings of the prophets. This day might not have come for Israel. But when that disruption arrived, the role of the prophets changed. Because the role of the prophets prior to the exile was the the role of truth-telling, the role of warning. You're unrighteous. You're worshiping other gods. This is not going to go well for you. The law has stated this plainly and clearly. But after the exile, the prophets have a new role. And their role then is to 
give hope to the people about if they'll repent, what God will do to restore them. It was to paint pictures of a world as it could be on the backside of this. They became deliverers of hope. The prophets helped the people of God make their way in the fog of their disruption. And so as the Israelites waited to go back to their new normal, the prophets tried to help Israelites see the gift of the time away that they had. The disruption offered them a chance to repent of their many sins. This disruption offered them a chance to realize the madness of the way of life they had been living beforehand. This disruption offered Israel a chance to reimagine a new world that would be lived in new ways. All right, you hear me preaching to 2020? As we re-enter life differently than the madness that was there before. And one of the prophets was a man named Jeremiah who speaks to this particular moment. And if you know any verse from the book of Jeremiah, I would guess it's this one. And certainly if it's this chapter, chapter 29, it's verse 11. I want to read that right now. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. It says there in verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Maybe those are words we need to hear in the midst of our disruption this morning. Is in the midst of all the confusion and the disruption and not knowing what the future holds, This still is true, isn't it? God doesn't want to harm us. God wants to deliver us, to give us a hope, to give us a future, to prosper as people. When I left for college, uh, like a lot of parents that sent their kids off that had been in student ministries and senior Sundays, I remember an opportunity she had to bless me with a Bible verse uh, and, and, and to send me out with, and this was the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I mean, we love this verse, don't we? We love this promise, this awareness of what God longs to do for us. But we like this verse a lot more when it's uh, on a pillow stitched or when it's on a magnet on a refrigerator rather than in the context it comes in originally. Because Jeremiah 29 is a letter written to exiles from the prophet Jeremiah, the words of God, who were exiled in the middle of Babylon. Jeremiah wrote this letter to a group of exiles who just wanted things to go back to normal. And there are false prophets who were giving them false hope that this is going to happen sooner than they would want it to, or than the, just like they'd like it to. That they'll return to Jerusalem shortly. Don't worry, this will just be a blip on the radar. But Jeremiah 29 sets the record straight. And Jeremiah is not as hopeful as the other false prophets. So this is from Jeremiah 29, the the larger context, beginning in verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. I've lost my place. I'm going to go to the screen. (laughs) Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers you, uh, you too will prosper. 
Yet this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. In context, the words of verse 11 are not near as hopeful as they sounded when my mom sent me off with that blessing to school. What God's saying through Jeremiah is, yes, God has plans to secure a hope and a future for Israel. It's not going to happen in your lifetime. You're going to be in exile for 70 years. And there's hope for the people of Israel as a whole, but these exiles aren't the ones who are going to get to return to Jerusalem. It will be their kids and their grandkids who get that blessing. And that is a difficult message to receive, isn't it? And that's why I wish my mom hadn't prayed this verse over me at that time. Nothing against my mom, it's a great verse. But the truth is, I want to be the one to receive God's blessing in this moment, on my timetable. I want things to go back to normal now. I don't want to wait for God to restore things to the next generation that comes. I want the blessing of God now. But if you have eyes to see the larger picture, this is still incredible news, isn't it? God's punishment will not go on forever. Their children and grandchildren will one day get to enjoy Jerusalem once again. And here's where I want to preach and I want to give you hope this morning. If we can enlarge our vision, then all of a sudden, there can be a purpose in our waiting. Again, Jeremiah tells him it's going to be 70 years before you get to enjoy Jerusalem once again. And he he sends this message saying how they're to live in those 70 years. Gives them clear instructions. And if any of you are in seasons of waiting right now, which really isn't a question, isn't all of us are, I want you to hear this message because I think it's as relevant today as it was 600 B.C. Jeremiah tells them, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have kids. Marry off your sons and daughters. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which God has called you in this moment. Pray for God to bless this city. Yes, even Babylon. What's Jeremiah saying? He's saying even if things don't look good for you personally, even if your years are short, even if your health is not what it once was, even if your prognosis looks grim, plant crops that other people will eat. Build houses that others will get to live in. There's an old Greek proverb that I really like. And it goes like this, a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they know they shall never sit in. 
I like that. What is it like to have a vision that's not just about this moment? What does it say, what are we doing now that the next generation will get to enjoy? How are we going to extend our lives past this moment and what we can reap? But how are we going to sow in what God will do for the years to come? This is a profound truth in the midst of our own season of waiting. What do we do while we're stuck in our homes? What do we do while we're furloughed from our jobs? What do we do while our vacations are canceled? What do we do when we're stuck where we would rather not be? Scripture plainly tells us through the prophet Jeremiah, well, we plant trees. We build houses. We marry off our sons and our daughters. We seek the peace and the prosperity of the city that we're in at this time. We sow things that we won't reap. And so if you're struggling to wait right now, I want you to know that you're not alone. And you haven't been alone in the past either when God's people showed up in moments of disruption. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is the Hebrews chapter 11. I encourage you to turn there now. I'm going to read a verse in just a moment. But Hebrews 11 is this passage referred to as the, the hall of faith, right? Think about the hall of fame in any sports or any industry, right? It means you've served well in your capacity and the role you're in. And this is the hall of faith. These are the people, the heroes of faith that, that lived with faith in moments they didn't know what the future was going to hold in their moments of disruption and waiting. This is the story that includes uh, all the way back the characters in the Old Testament of Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and many more. But the writer of Hebrew ends the chapter with an important reminder to those of us that feel alone in our waiting. Hebrews 11 verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Even these heroes of faith that we can't meet to, wait, uh, to meet one day when we get to heaven. Even those people did not get while they lived the things that they had hoped for. They died without experiencing the Messiah in their presence. They left this earth waiting with anticipation about a promise that would one day come. And we stand in the shade of the trees they planted. We get the benefit of their faith. And you have the same opportunity. While you wait, let me encourage you with a blessing that can be trusted after all. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And while those exiles died, we are the proof that God kept his promise. Because their grandkids got to see Jerusalem. And a few centuries later, a baby would be born into the world named Jesus, who is the hope for all of humanity. And then God included the Gentiles as the church expands its reach. And the 12 disciples turned into over 2 billion people today who claim Jesus is Lord. You see, we are the future that was promised. Those heroes of faith who had faith were the legacy who sit in the shade of the trees they planted. Praise be to God for that. But my question in the midst of this season is this. What trees are you planting in this season that you'll never get to sit under? 
What seeds are you sowing into the ground that will have to die before they can be brought to life from out of the ground? Because God wants there to be a fertile time in the days ahead. But what it requires is us not waiting for the moment that all is clear. What it means is that in these moments, we live with hope and with faith and with love, and we plant the seeds of what God's kingdom will scatter to be. What trees are you planting? Let's pray as we close our time in the Word this morning. Father, I thank you for the trees that have been planted throughout the centuries, the fires that have been stoked that we warm ourselves by. I thank you for the kingdom that uh, had its seed in Jesus, that he announced that the kingdom of God has come near, and yet it didn't fully come while Jesus came. It's still coming. We already live in the kingdom of God, but it's not yet fully here. So God, we live in the midst of this time of tension, this time of disruption, this time of, of unknowing, and we put our faith in you once again. And God, we don't want to be just silent and quiet in these times. We want to be useful for your kingdom in times such as these. So God, would you let us know what trees we need to plant this week? Would you let us know how we need to put faith into our children and our grandchildren in ways that maybe we haven't seen uh, as, as importantly as in this moment, as we're distant from you? God, would you walk with us in this season? Would you give us hope? Would you paint a picture of the world you want us to return to? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you to inspire people to follow Jesus because you're convinced, like we are, that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Connect with us on Facebook. You can find and like our page at Greenville Oaks. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.